get this, a strong relationship with the Lord warrants an all-out quest. As I studied Psalm 34, one of the things that really stuck out to me, and I think you'll see it as well, is that Psalm 34 is all about our quest for the Lord, our pursuance of, of Him, our desire for Him, our hunger and thirst for Him. How's your relationship with the Lord? Whether you're going through a season where you're in the valley of despair and, and you're going through hardships and struggles, or whether you're on the mountaintop and everything seems to be going your way, whether you're in the lows or you're in the highs or you're somewhere in between, are you able to praise Him and to search for Him, to quest for Him? Or are you just waiting for the Lord to find you. <laughs> Throughout Psalm 34, David describes his pursuit of the Lord. He is seeking him. He is pursuing him. The first thing that we're told to do in Psalm 30, uh, 34, verses 4 through 6, is to call on the Lord. David writes, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. A good testimony is relatable. And a testimony is so important. Hopefully every one of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you've thought out your testimony, your story. It's pretty simple. Every testimony just has three parts to it. Uh, what your life was like before Christ. How and when. And be specific, you became a Christian when you were born again into him. And how your life is different because you're a Christian. And if you figure out how to say all of those three things and you narrow it down to about two and a half minutes, which was how long it took the Apostle Paul to tell his testimony, maybe one, one side of one sheet of paper, and you can, you can verbalize, you can tell someone else, well, here's what happened to me. This is what it was like. This is how and when it changed. And this is how it's so much better. And the Apostle Paul demonstrated that for us in his powerful testimony. But here in, uh, here in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, we get to see David sharing his testimony. And he tells us uh, how his countenance was not only sustained during times of great fear, but it was completely changed. Your story should show how you were once where others are now and how you, what you learned as you went through it so that they too can get to a better place. The word radiant in verse 5 is the same word that's used in Isaiah 60 verse 5 to describe a mother's face when she sees her children who she thought were lost forever but has been reunited with them. And it says that her face will be radiant. And here in verse 5 it says, those who look to the Lord are radiant. <laughs> Is your face radiant? 
Like a mother who's thought she's separated from her children forever. And when she finds them and she sees them, her face is radiant. Our faces ought to be radiant. They ought to tell part of our story that we have a joy, we have a contentment no matter what's going on around us, in the good and the bad, in the midst of the storm, I will praise the Lord. Can you say that? Exodus 34 verse 29 describes Moses' face when he came down from, mount, from the mountain as radiant. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 speaks of a Christian's face this way. And we all were un with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there ought to be a radiance about you. Are you calling on the name of the Lord Oh, we're supposed to pray without ceasing, uh, Ephesians tells us that. We're supposed to always be in that atmosphere of prayer. You don't have to dial the Lord up. You don't have to have a special number. You don't have to be in the same phone coverage plan. Uh, make sure that you're within the same calling area. You don't have to call Monday through Friday between 9 and 5 to get a hold of the Lord. He's on 24-7. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. But at the same time, we need to, we need to call on the Lord in the midst of our distress. Well, I confess to you today, sometimes I don't call on the Lord as a first step. <laughs> sometimes I want to try to fix it myself. You got anybody here that likes to fix it themselves? <laughs> anybody in here like to find their way out when they get lost, be their own person, pull themselves up by their bootstraps? It takes a lot to call on the Lord. And David, who, who slayed the giant Philistine, says, I called on the Lord. <laughs> That's the beginning of it. The second thing is respect the Lord. Verses 7 through 12 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak with, and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. If you desire to see many good days, if you love life, if you want to have just this abundant life, it begins with a healthy fear of the Lord. The kind of fear that's not a, a scared to death, afraid, feeling threatened by your heavenly father kind of fear, but a fear that recognizes his awesome power and the, his, his majestic presence and his lofty position in your life. We don't have enough healthy respect for the Lord today. He's referred to by some as the, you know, the man upstairs. <laughs> We get him out of a, a, a compartment, so to speak, during the holidays and put him on display. And when we're done with him, we put him back. Or, or maybe for you, maybe Sunday morning's your compartment where, where you come in and you're religious for an hour or so and you get your religion fixed and you kind of you go back to, to, to life. But if you have a healthy respect of the Lord, then he comes first. And you can tell by your, by your checkbook who comes first. And you can tell by your calendar who comes first. And you can tell by the decisions that you make who comes first. You can tell what controls your worldview. Is it your favorite talk show or is it the Holy Bible? 
Is it your, your, your favorite news station provider? Or is it God's word? Do you have a respect for the Lord? Is he the absolute truth that guides and steers every decision that you make seven days a week? It tells us on here. Here's a promise from God. The Lord is near those who respect him and have a healthy fear of him. That's who he is near. (laughs) When I'm afraid, when I'm scared, I want to have the Lord on my side. God and one person's a majority. (laughs) And I don't care how big the enemy. I don't care how uh, tough the obstacle. If I've got God on my side, I'm on a winning team. And it begins with the fear of the Lord. We are to respect him. David says we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. To experience him. Do you have a daily experience with the Lord? Are you tasting and seeing? Are you sampling the goodness of God? It's a happier thing to believe first before having confirmation. John 20, verse 29, Jesus said, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hebrews 6, 5 says... And have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. 1 Peter 2, 3 says that we will grow up into salvation and no longer need just the milk that an infant needs. If needed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So we're to respect him, we're to taste and see that the Lord is good, and we're to take our refuge in him. These are all action steps that are right there in in verses 7 through 12. We're to respect, we're to taste and see, we're to take refuge in him, and finally we're to seek him. With this kind of respect comes a complete satiation. We lack in nothing, we're satisfied. If you want to have a long and fruitful life, the best thing that you can do is to learn the art of fearing the Lord. Did you know it can be learned? David talks in here about teaching the fear, the fear of the Lord. Come, he says, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David's plea to his audience here is that they would let him teach them the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord can be taught. Parents and grandparents, the best thing that you can do for your children and grandchildren is to teach them to fear the Lord. Because if they respect him, everything else follows. Solomon concluded Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, with this realization that the meaning of life is to fear God and keep his commandments. (laughs) The wisest and wealthiest man ever to live came to that conclusion. He considered every pleasure, every quantifiable wealth that he had, and at the end of the day, what was the meaning of it all? Here's the conclusion of the whole matter, he says. Twelve chapters later. (laughs) Fear God. Keep his commandments. You have to want it really bad. Christianity is no spectator sport. (laughs) You have to want it really bad. You have to be all in. You can't just be 90% saved. You have to be 100% uh, repentant and born again into Jesus Christ. You have to be all in. 
You have to really, really, really want it. We're seeing words in here like seek and search and pursue and call upon and go after. Not just wait and see if you have the right feeling or not. Next, seek and pursue peace. Psalm 34 verses 13 through 17 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Pursue peace. Seek peace and pursue it. What you say matters. The tongue can do two things in verse 13 that can bring us harm. It can be used to speak evil and it can be used to lie. Both of those are enemies of peace and by extension our tongues can be our own worst enemy. Our relationship with God is tied in very closely with our relationship to others. Even even our worst enemies. You have to love others in order to love God. You have to pursue peace in order to pursue God. You can't have it any other way. You can't hate someone else and not hate God. You can't not care about someone else and be able to care about God. Because if you're going to love God, you have to love others. If you're going to be at peace with God, you've got to be at peace with others. And that includes those who are the hardest to get along with. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. And then Peter quotes, 1 Peter 3 quotes our psalm. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. <laughs> For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Right there in the New Testament, a quote from Today's psalm, Psalm 34. You want to pursue the Lord, then you better pursue peace. And as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody else. Finally, we need to belong to the Lord. Psalm 34, verses 18 through 22 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. <laughs> Little prophecy there. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Do me a favor. Would you reread with me verse 22? 
from Psalm 34. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. The Lord redeems his servants. Derek Kidner writes that all of verse 22 is pregnant with a meaning which comes to birth in the gospel and which is hardly viable in any form that falls short of this. The Christian can echo the jubilant spirit of the psalm with added gratitude, knowing the unimagined cost of the first half of verse 22 and the unbounded scope of the second half of it. There is a great divide between those whom God accepts and those he rejects. There is an emphasis in those verses to look beyond this life here on earth to the life in heaven and to what really matters, eternity. And so much of it depends on how we choose to seek the Lord, to have fear for him to pursue him, to taste and see that he is good, to be on his side on the winning team. Two promises from David here. Number one, David promises God does not take lightly our suffering. If you are suffering at the hands of somebody who is doing you wrong, rest assured God knows all about it. You don't even have to explain it to him. He already knows. And as far as it depends on you, if you pursue peace and you live at peace with him, he knows that too. And he does not take lightly our suffering, especially if our suffering is for his name's sake. The second promise, God never loses control. <laughs> he is sovereign. He's on his throne. He was yesterday, he is today, and guess what? He will be tomorrow. This earth can come and go, but God will still be on his throne tomorrow. And if you're on his side, I can tell you who's going to win. <laughs> you are, if you're with God. I started this message with uh, the lyrics to an old hymn. Let me, let me share with you the, the lyrics to a new praise song. Well, a contemporary one, I should say. I will praise you in this storm. I was sure by now God would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, that it's still raining as the thunder rolls. I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I'm with you. As your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm and I'll, I'll lift my hands that you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. I remember when I stumbled in the wind. You heard my cry and you raised me up again. My strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? As the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I am with you. And as your mercy Thals, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away, and I'll praise you in this storm. And I'll lift my hands that you who are, you are no matter where I am, and every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. 
I lift my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I lift my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I will praise you in the storm. And I will lift my hands that you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. Father God, we do praise you today. Lord, we don't take lightly the struggles that each other has. Uh, Father, whether it is uh, an evil that we're going up against, perhaps with someone uh, that we're related to or that we've known for years, or maybe it's someone who is just an outright enemy. And God, I, I pray for anyone that's stuck in that battle, that God, you would help them to pursue peace. And God, I pray for those to, who have no fault of their own are just going through hard times, financially, physically, relationally, academically, whatever it is, God. I pray for them that in the midst of the storm, they can praise your name, that you'll be the constant, that, God, they'll stay near you and not drift far from you when they need you the most. Lord, we do fear and we, we respect you and we stand in awe of your holiness. And at the same time, we cry out to you, Abba, Father, knowing that the one we fear and respect is the God who loves us. And for that, we thank you for chasing all of our fears away and drawing us close to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.